Thanks, ladies. That was beautiful. That song always touches me as well. If you might have noticed, uh, one of the authors of that song, Sean, can you put that uh, it is well back up there? Yeah. See on the bottom, Horatio Spafford. I don't know if you guys know that story. But uh, the guy that wrote that song, he was a businessman in Chicago, and uh, his family was going to return back to Europe, and he had to stay in Chicago for some business meeting, and uh, his wife and four daughters continued on to Europe, and the ship sank, and they all drowned. And um, he went back on the same you know, um, line, and, and the... the uh, captain of the ship stopped at the spot where they drowned and he said it is well with my soul so what faith to, to that song came out of that tragedy and how many lives it's touched so it always touches my heart when I hear that song to have the faith in the midst of tragedy to say it is well you know you have to really trust God to say that so let's pray Lord we just uh, lift up our hearts to you this morning and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you do your work uh, in and through me, um, that I'm just a vessel up here carrying your word. And so, Lord, help me to step out of the way. Let everyone here receive uh, what you would have for them and for our listeners online as well, Lord, that you are the God that reaches into our hearts. You are with each person. And uh, I just pray that you speak to them and encourage them and, and reveal more of your word and who you are to them. We pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So, again, I'm Dan McDonald, and I have the honor of sharing God's word with you this morning. We'll be reading out of uh, John 14. So if you want to get a little extra credit, you can turn your Bibles to John 14. But uh, let's, uh, let's just pray one more time real quick. Lord, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> have you ever got bad directions? You ever had somebody give you directions and like sounds like they've never given directions in their life before? Like let's say you're going to dinner with someone and they're giving you directions to the restaurant and it sounds like this. Hey Dan, uh, leave your house and go right or wait, is it left? I guess it's left, but anyways, you'll see a billboard with a horse on it. I love that billboard because I love horses. And do you remember Mr. Ed? I heard they used peanut butter to stick to the roof of his mouth to make his lips move. I love Mr. Ed. But anyways, uh, so when you see that billboard, go north, and then take your first left and go south. And when you see a house with, like, siding on it and a tree by it, go right. Then take the next street. I think it's Bigglesbury or Bigglesworth. No, it's Barberry. Or wait, that's the old town I used to live in. Never mind. But there's a street. And on that street or close to that street is the restaurant. And like, see at seven. Yeah, right. Uh, I have a family member that like, don't ever take directions from them because you'll hear like stories about the locations along. It's like, dude, do I go left or right? All right. Um, you know, and good directions are key to arriving at your desired destination, you know, versus bad directions. Someone who gives you really crystal clear directions, it can make anything easier. Oh, kids. Yeah, kids, get out of here. I forgot that. Go away. No, have fun, guys. Those are, they're all my kids, so. <laughs> uh, but, you know, crystal clear directions can make a project easier. Raise your hand, guys, if you've ever used YouTube to help you with, like, a home project. I do it all the time. You know why? Because crystal clear directions. And girls, too. You, you know, or to 
whatever, anything you're doing, you look it up on YouTube and you have crystal clear directions. Uh, and they make things so much easier. And, and many of us have received and even followed bad directions in life. Um, these can show up in our habits, in our behaviors, in our attitudes, in our actions. And worst of all, bad directions can influence and shape our belief system, what we believe. Um, it reminds me of the proverb, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. You know, there's many things, bad directions we've followed in our lives. When we get to a certain point, it's like, what am I doing here? This isn't what it, I thought it would be. And as we all sit here in church, our hopeful destination is to be in the presence of God, right, in heaven. That's, that's our hopeful destination. But even bad directions exist in many churches today. Some say if you live a perfect, sin-free life, then you'll be with the Father. Raise your hand if you've ever lived a perfect, sin-free life, right? Jesus? Okay, Him. Only Him. Um, and others say, be a good person. You know, just be a good person. That's the way to the Father. And some others say, do whatever you want, and you'll have grace, and, and you'll be with the Father. And some others say, your works, you know, your works, your works have to be good. you got to go out and do these certain things and tithe your 10%. All those things are good, but they say that's the way to the Father. But these bad directions, they won't get us to our destination. And so, is there a way? Is there a perfect way? to have relationship with God. What is the way? If you want some crystal clear directions, Jesus has, has laid it out for us in his word. So let's turn to John 14, and I'm going to read the chapter, and then we'll go to a few points. And if I see anybody sleeping, I'll try and be more exciting. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, just show us the Father and it will be enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does His works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do because I am going away to be with the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot see, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, you know Him. For He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk with you much, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise and let us go from here. Whew, that's a lot of reading. How powerful are those words? Just reading them, it's like, wow. You start to understand the authority of Jesus. So I'd like to get to our points now. Point one is our comfort. We are going with Jesus. We know our destination, the Father's house. In the first verses, He says, I'm taking you to my Father's house. So like I said about bad directions, what point are good directions if you don't know the destination? And God is so good, He starts right there. But let's back up a little bit. What's His first line? Let not your hearts be troubled. He's like, relax. I got this. Now, John 13, 14, and 15, this is right before Jesus is going to be crucified. So he's, this is like him leaving his disciples with these very powerful messages and comfort. So when he's saying, you know, don't be afraid or, or let not your hearts be troubled, everything they put their hope on is going to seem lost soon. Jesus is going to be crucified. Now, they... They believe that he's the Messiah, that he came to lead this revolt against Rome. So he's trying to leave them with some peace in this moment. Like, I'm going away, but don't worry. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Relax. I got this. You know, we spend our lives pursuing our own ways of careers, of families, houses, looks, relationships, to find a destination of comfort that doesn't exist. You know, one part of my coming to faith was realizing that there are no absolutes in this world. You can have a billion dollars, 
and not have joy. You can reach the top of your corporate ladder and be completely empty. You know, and we pursue these ways, but they're empty. And until we know the true destination of where we're going, it is empty. Because God can make your career meaningful. God can make your family super meaningful. All those things aren't necessarily bad. But if we don't, if we're not focused on our destination, what's the point of the direction? What's the point? If we don't know where we're going. But Jesus lays it out here. And I just want, you know, church, we've heard these verses a lot. But there's a room in heaven with your name on it. I mean, to me, that touches my heart that the Lord Himself went to prepare a room for me, for Dan, for Ron, for Kathy. For Kim, all of us, and and if 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 he's declaring the destination, he's like, I'm going to come and take you there too. If you need comfort today, here it is. This is praiseworthy. We are going to be with God. Don't don't let your hearts be troubled. We're going, but we must believe. The next, the second verse is. Believe in God, believe also in me. The commandment here is to believe in God. You know, kids are hard to lead to faith. And one of my kids the other night, he has a problem that he's dealing with, and I said, let's pray about it. And I prayed, and right after the prayer, he said, God's not going to fix it anyway. And I'm like, how can you pray and then right afterwards say God's not going to do it? We have to believe You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, all your strength. Believe. It's all based on faith. And it reminds me of the hall of faith. There's this this chapter in the Bible with Hebrews where it's going down and it's just talking about all the faith that these people had. Like the faith that Abraham had to lead all these people into the promised land. The faith of Moses to stand up against Pharaoh. The faith of the Israelites as they're up against the Red Sea to walk through the Red Sea. You know, what's the point of having a destination if you don't believe it really exists? Like, hey, we're going to go see the Cubs game, but we're not sure if it's a home game today. You know, they could be in Pittsburgh. So we're going to go down to Wrigley. We'll find out, though. There's no point in that, right? It's like, what were you smoking this morning? (laughs) But we know our destination. And our destination is to be with the Father. And we have to believe we are going home with them. And and I've been a Christian for like coming up on 20 years. And I have to remind myself of this. My life is not just what you see in this world. My house, my job, my finances, my family. There's a room in heaven with my name on it. And that's where I'm going. All this stuff is just the journey to get there. Right? Amen? So let not your hearts be troubled. We're going home with God. Point two. So we know our destination now. What is the way? Jesus. We know the way. It's Jesus. He declares it in this word. He says, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. We have the best directions of all time. The very word of God. Jesus. He's not only the way, He's the truth. And that means that He is trustworthy. See, the truth is always trustworthy. You get bad directions, like from my sister, you can't trust those directions. You better Google that. But Jesus is the way and the truth. 
His direction is always trustworthy. I'll tell you what, raise your hand if God's ever let you down. I've let myself down. People have let me down. The Lord has been there for me every time. And especially when it doesn't seem like it. All of a sudden, He just shows up and it's like, there you are, God, thank you. You did it again. Every other religion points to the way. Every other religion points at the way. They say, if you follow the law perfectly, that's the way. That's what the Pharisees believed, right? And some say, if you reach total consciousness, you'll find God. Or if you find nirvana, or if you be pure-hearted, that's the way. But only Jesus says, I am the way. All those other religions, they heap burdens on men's backs that we're incapable of following. No one can follow the law perfectly. If you have a thought that's outside of God, you've broken the law because you haven't loved Him with your, all your heart, mind, and soul. Think about that. Your first thoughts in the morning break the law of God, usually. So all these other religions, they heap the burdens onto men's backs. But Jesus took the burden on Himself to set us free from the power of sin and to be made right with God. You know, I've heard this analogy, like every other religion, God's on top of a mountain. And man is just trying to work his way up that mountain, maybe to reach him someday. Well, Jesus came down the mountain to meet man right where he is, right in his sin. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way. So we have good directions. We can walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. We don't have to pave our own way in this life or find some special magic way that only applies to us. We have a perfect way, and His name is Jesus. And thank God for it. Because without that way, where would we be? Imagine not knowing the power of forgiveness. Would your family still be together? Imagine not experiencing joy in the way of Jesus. Would your life, would you be happy? <laughs> you know? Imagine suffering and not knowing Jesus. See, when we have the way, then we can make the journey. Amen? Let's talk about the Holy Trinity, point three. Now, Jesus said, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. God took the form of a man, chose to be born of a woman, and that's why he's called the Son of God, because he was born of a woman. But don't be mistaken. Jesus is fully man and fully God. While the Trinity can seem like a mystery to our minds at times, I know I struggled with it, the Trinity's a hard thing to understand. How, how is God three in one? I guess it's like this. You know, like three, but one. Um, it's a mystery, but Jesus spells it out plainly in these verses. In these verses, Jesus declares the first part of the Trinity. The Father and Son are one. He says to, is it Philip? How long have you been with me, Philip? Now, this guy's seen Jesus do miracles. <laughs> I mean, he knows who he is. He's like, how long? You know, Philip's like, 
hey, just show us the Father and we'll be all right. Just show us. And that's enough. You know, man, we always need proof, right? <laughs> like, just show us and then we'll know. And I picture Jesus just like, how long have you been with me, man? Like, And he wasn't like that. But he's like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am in him and he is in me. And Isaiah 9, 6 echoes the truth. For un- you guys probably hear this at Christmas time. They read it a lot. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. A son. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called. And now these are some of God's names. Wonderful Counselor. Raise your hand if you need a counselor. I do. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Now, how can he be a son and a father? Because he says... To us, a son is given, but he's the everlasting father because they're one and the same. Jesus came. The Spirit of God came in the form of a man. He is the living God right before us. He chose to come down into this dirt and this muck. This is the King of glory. You know, sometimes we forget the holiness of who God is, but God is the righteous, majestic King of all. He spoke the earth into existence with words. He made these planets with words. He is all-powerful, almighty, everlasting God. And He chose to become man and be born in a manger. What a humble God. And He's with us and He's for us and we're coming back to Him. If you had known Me, you'd know My Father also. From now on, you do know Him. You want to know the Father? Study Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. And we are included in God's work. This is point four. So all these things are wonderful, but you know, some people might be like, okay, great, Jesus is God. You know, What does this have to do with me? We're included in God's work. What a joy to know our destination, to have good directions, and to be included in the journey. God desires to do His work in us and through us. As John 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. But instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. We're not servants. We're not slaves. You know, people outside the church, I think, tend to look at Christians like, You know, we're just some people trying to follow a set of rules so we look good and shiny on the outside. And that's just not the truth. We're friends of Jesus. We're friends of God. We're not servants. We're sons and daughters. Hallelujah. He's not going to leave us as orphans. We are sons and daughters of the Most High King. We're included in this journey. We have a friend in Jesus. Picture life as a great road trip. I used to travel for work, and I've had some great road trips in my life. I used to travel with my boss, Jack, and uh, we kind of joke around that we we route our trips on places we want to eat. <laughs> and we would. We would eat at the best place. There's this place in Danville, Illinois. It's kind of like a nowhere. It's called the Beef House. If you're ever driving, I think it's 74. And you see a sign for the beef house stop. It's an old school supper club with like hot rolls and it's amazing. But I love road trips. Isn't there something exciting about like getting out on the road and just roll the window down, get some tunes going? 
My buddy, he just bought a Corvette and he had to drive it back from Arizona with his dad. What an awesome road trip. They took Route 66. Like dad and son in a Corvette, T-tops down, man, just cruising. Every, I think most people like road trips. You know, maybe not kids because it's like, are we there yet? We just want to get there. Sometimes we feel like that in life, though, too, right? We just want to get there. We want to be home with God. But I loved road trips. Now I want you just to envision Jesus is driving. Life is a road trip. This is the journey. We know the destination. We know the way. And Jesus is behind the wheel. We can take our hands off. You know, I'll think of uh, my son and I, the first time I ever took Liam to a baseball game. He was like two, and I was stressing out, thinking about the tickets and where we're going to park and all the things that go through a dad's mind, the directions, right? Uh, are we going to get there on time? We see first pitch and all this. And I, I'm like having a little minty, mini mental breakdown in the front seat, like, oh, God, I'm driving into Chicago. I'm a little nervous. And I look back, and Liam's in his car seat, and his feet are just swinging, and he looks so happy and like, not a care in the world. And, and do you know why Liam can be that way? Because his dad is driving. He doesn't have to worry about the tickets. He doesn't have to worry about the money at the game. He doesn't have to worry about getting there on time. His dad's behind. All he needs to know in that two- or three-year-old little mind is my daddy is taking me to the baseball game. And in this life, we stress how are we going to pay this bill, right? Oh, man, the cars broke down again. Or I just lost my job. All these things. And, we have, and, and it's just like, what am I going to do? And I have to bring myself back to the place of dad is driving. This life is a journey. And it's like a road trip. We know the destination. We know the way. And dad is behind the wheel. We can really let go. All we have to do is strap that buckle on and hold on. Because <laughs> it's a wild ride following God. If you haven't figured that out yet, it's not a straight path. It's like, you know, <laughs> life has its, its, its dips and, and curves. Um, but what a gift, too, that, that we are on this journey with Christ. That's my point. That he doesn't just call us uh, to be servants. He includes us in the work. And he says that you're going to do even greater works than me. Like, I'm going to give you authority to do the same things I do. I'm going to give you authority to pray over the sick and then be healed. I'm going to give you authority, like Eric Gross, to start a church in Genoa, and people are going to come here and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what? And I... I want to take a pause for my sermon. I want to pray for Eric right now because I'm so thankful for him. Would you guys join me in that? Just lift up your hearts to God. Father, we just lift up our pastor, Eric, to you. We just thank you for him, God. We just thank you for who he is, and we thank you for what he's doing and that he lays so much on the line to do this work, that he puts things aside and he makes you the priority. How many times he's called me just to go have a lunch you know, to have a pastor or a shepherd that truly cares about you is a gift from God. And Eric is that gift. And I know his family's been through a lot lately, Lord, but he knows his destination and he knows the way. And I just pray that our church 
would, would just surround that family with love and let them know that uh, the sheep love the shepherd. I mean, you know, where would we be without him? We wouldn't be sitting here today. So, Lord, um, thank you for using Eric, and thank you for just comforting his heart, and we're really excited to have him back preaching in church next week. So, thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, that was on my heart all day. I just wanted to pray for Eric. <laughs> forget the sermon. Uh, but we can't forget the sermon because the next point's good too. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. So, you know, I tend to try and put myself in other people's, other people's shoes and I think about these disciples. Now, they've left their careers. They've left their families. They've left everything to follow Jesus. And in a couple days, he's going to be crucified. Could you imagine what that felt like? Like, all hope must have seemed lost. And it did. They were hiding out. I mean, it was probably just tears and tears and weeping, like all our hope is lost. But see, in these verses, Jesus tells us that even though he was crucified, he rose again, and eventually he's going to ascend into heaven, that he's not leaving us alone here. That his own spirit is coming into us. Um, And this really completes the Trinity. So he already talked about the Father and the Son are one. Let's learn a little bit about the Holy Spirit. So Jesus explains in these verses the completion of the Trinity as he promises that the Father will send the Holy Spirit. But notice with me how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I. So who is the Holy Spirit? He's God, three in one. I will come to you. What a promise. What a hope. And, you know, my wife and I, it's like the Holy Spirit does some crazy stuff sometimes. Raise your hand if you know Stephanie and Willie Nelson. Okay, they're they're members of another church that we're friends with or whatever. One time I was going to their daughter Chloe's birthday party. Here's a Holy Spirit story for you. It's just weird, but he's with us, right? So we're going to the birthday party, and I, I feel the Holy Spirit say, bring birthday candles. Now, why the heck would I bring birthday candles to another kid's birthday party? Like, it's not my kid, you know. It's not my problem. Your kid, your problem, you know. And I didn't bring them. And I showed up, and guess what they couldn't find? The birthday candles. And I started crying. Uh, to myself, I wasn't like, you know, it's my party and I'll cry if I want to kind of thing. It's a six-year-old birthday party. But I started tearing up because I was disobedient to the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I will come to you, and, and, I, and I'm your friend. You're not my servant. The Holy Spirit is that still, small voice we hear urging us inside and loving us. He always comes with love. And it's an amazing gift. I mean... Without the Holy Spirit, huh, I mean, I wouldn't make it through this life. <sighs> he is the gift. He is the promise. I will come to you. He is saying, my spirit is coming to make it home in you when I return to the Father. I will not leave you alone when I ascend to heaven. My spirit will be with you until the day I return. Jesus says it plainly. A little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. 
you also live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me. This is like a huge connection he's making here. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. The Father is one with the Son. The Holy Spirit is one with the Father and the Son. And they live in us. God's own power. What does the Scripture say? The same power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave lives in you. So we not only have the way and the destination, but He's with us. Like the road trip. Imagine taking a road trip with Jesus. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, hey, gas tank's empty. He's just like, no problem. I got this. Uh, that would be a fun road trip. We'd be eating good. I'll tell you that. We would be eating good because I have a feeling Jesus likes joyous festivities. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You know, uh, I'm someone who struggled in the past with depression. And one of the feelings, and I struggle sometimes even now, especially in the wintertime, one of the feelings of depression that I, I struggle with is the feeling of being alone, even when I'm around people who love me. I mean, think, everything could be going right in my life. I feel alone. Um, and I'm brought back to this. I'm never alone. God came and made his home in me, and he does urge me, and he does, even in those bouts of depression, I knew God saying, like, I'm with you. You're going to make it through this. It's not the end. Amen? So we have the Holy Spirit. So we have the destination, we have the way, and we got Jesus behind the wheel and inside of us. Uh, my next point, point six, peace over fear. So then what should we say to all this wisdom? We've heard these things. We've heard these points. Most of the people in here, or maybe all of us, we know this stuff, right? This is not news, news to us. But what should we say to these things? Like if we hear this, What's the result? It's peace. It's peace. It's peace with ourselves. It's peace with God. It's peace with terrible tragedies that happen around us. It is well with my soul. It's that kind of peace. Because how can you have peace? Like in the first verse, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Your heart ever been troubled? Mine is almost every single day. It was this morning. It was yesterday. And the day before, and probably every day of my life before. But what gives me peace? How, you know, and I was saying this to my dad last night. He's a believer too. I'm like, you can't just tell your heart to have peace. Like, peace. It's like, oh, okay, I'm calm now. Anybody ever told you to calm down when you're really mad? Does it work? You know, like when you're fuming mad and they're like, calm down. That's just the reason to be like, oh, calm down. Watch this. <laughs> but. What gives us peace is knowing that destination in our hearts. It's believing that we are going to be with God. We have to know that in our heart of hearts. It's all about faith. We, these things mean nothing unless you believe them to be true. Right? So how can we have peace unless we believe? Like, okay, Lord, this world gives me a lot of trouble, but I know I'm coming home to you someday. You know what some of the families in here have been through? Some of the struggles, some of the trials, we've all been through it. I'm coming home to you, God. It's peace. He says, I don't give you peace like the world. You know, peace like the world's a drunken fun night. 
Peace like the world is having enough money in your bank account to retire. Peace like the world is making it to stardom, you know, be a YouTuber or a TikTok star. That's the kind of peace that this world offers, right? But Jesus offers an inner peace, one that cannot be bought or sold, one that cannot, you can't achieve it without believing. You can't achieve it without the faith to know that we are going home with Christ, that He is with us, He is for us, and He is God in the flesh. We all follow those incorrect ways through our jobs, our relationships, our financial status. But really, the only reason we chase these pipe dreams is to find that peace. Like, okay, when I hit that magic number in my bank account, I can finally retire. You know how many men I've heard talk about that? I mean, I'm in business. You know how many people I've talk, heard talk about they're just living for retirement? And then you hear these stories about people who do that, and they die the week they retire. You ever heard a story like that? I have. They live their whole life. I mean, it kind of breaks my heart. They live their whole life on a promise to get to this place, and then they die. And hopefully they knew Jesus, because if not, they're not going to be with us. And it's like, my kids, you know, I'd love them to be doctors and lawyers, or maybe not lawyers, but, you know, some great career. But honestly, I don't care if they're garbage men as long as they love Jesus. I don't care what they do in their work or, or if they have a big family or a little family or if they get married or they don't get married or, or whatever college they want to go to. As a father... I could care less because I know there's only one thing that matters in this life. We can live our whole lives chasing a peace and security that doesn't exist. I watch people do it everywhere. I watch people do it everywhere. They build their lives to put a, like a wall around their life that nothing can happen to me now because I have enough money or I have enough this or I finally got that house I wanted. You know, I'll never I'll forget my friend. He bought like a $400,000 house. And in the first month, the foundation cracked. Your foundation. <laughs> it's funny, right? Your foundation ever cracked in life? You know, you, you hear these tragedies like Robin Williams. I mean, I love Robin Williams. Some of his movies, like Aladdin or Mrs. Doubtfire, going back like Good Morning Vietnam. They're some of the like most hilarious. I, I thought that guy had to be the happiest guy in the world. His comedy, just his personality was so light. There was so much light in it. But he achieved probably the top of his career path. But some, his foundation got cracked. Because the, the only true foundation is Jesus Christ. And without him, you can have it all. You can have the world. And it's empty. It's pointless. You, you buy the big house and you go downstairs and the foundation's cracked. And it's like, I just put my whole life savings into this. All my hope. Everything I live for. And it's broken already. <laughs> you ever been there? I have. Uh, so, you know, peace I give you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives. It's not this false peace. It's real peace. It's peace that no matter what is going on in the storm of your life, I'm with you. I am for you. Nothing can snatch you out of my hand. I am God in the flesh, and my seal and my mark 
are upon you. You were chosen before the beginning of this age. You were chosen for this purpose. To be here right now in this body that you're in, I chose you. Peace, you see? Do you know that you're chosen? Do you know that in your heart? That God chose you. He chose you. He chose you to come here and do this work with Him. He chose you to come here and glorify His name. You are a chosen child of the one true King, the Creator of the universe, and He says, nothing can snatch you out of My hand. Nothing. Your sin is nothing compared to God. If you're sitting there thinking right now about the sin you committed this morning and you think that turned Christ away from you, you are wrong. God is for us. We are chosen. The Holy Spirit is in us. What kind of God sends His own Spirit into a wretched man like me? A humble, loving Father. That's who. How could God even entrust me with His Spirit? But He is the only force that brings me through this life day to day. He's the only one I can count on, man. When I feel so alone, I cry out to God. I'll never forget, I had a really long day a couple weeks ago when there was like all that snow. And I had to dig out the plow guy. My plow guy, that's how bad it was. I was out there till 2, 2.30 in the morning digging this plow out. And it was dark, and it was a really crystal clear night, and he left, and it was like silent out on the farm. I live on a farm. And I was having a tough day that day. I had a ton of anxiety over really nothing, okay? And um, it was about this one thing, about like divorce stuff, whatever. I've, I've been through a divorce. And um, I was like, like really in my head. You know, I couldn't get the thought out of my head all day. It was creating anger and anxiety in me and frustration. All day, this one thought was consuming my mind. And um, I, I was out on the farm. I, I was walking back to the house, and I just stopped. And this, this story is about God being with us. And I felt God just say, look up. And I looked up, and the stars were like, brilliant that night. They were everywhere. You know, I could see like a million stars. And it just gave me revelation of God again. I was like, okay, Lord, I'm pretty small. And this problem's really small. And you're huge. And these lyrics to this song popped in my head and it said, if you brought me this far, why would I question you now? And if you have provided, why would I start to doubt? I've never been stranded, abandoned, or left here to fight alone, so I'm giving you control. Aren't those beautiful words? I've never been stranded or abandoned. And the Holy Spirit is with us. He gives us peace. In that moment, I'm telling you, and you guys have experienced this if you know the Lord, once I got into that intimacy with God again, I looked up and I started praising Him. That problem just melted away. And guess what came of the problem? Nothing. Nothing. All that worry, my entire day, was spent micro-focused on this problem, and no negative result came out of it. Nothing happened, but there's one thing that did happen. God reminded me who he was. So this is my last point. Jesus fulfilled all righteousness. He says in verse 31, I do 
as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. So what did God command Jesus to do? To die on a cross. To be beaten and mocked and scorned and spit on. They put a bag over his head and were punching him in the face and saying, which one of us hit you that time, Jesus? If you're really God, bring yourself down from that cross to get the 39 lashes, to carry a cross through town, to be hung naked on a cross, a sign of shame. Jesus said, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not my will, but your will. Jesus fulfilled all righteousness. So this is the completion of it all. We can't have the Holy Spirit unless Jesus came and died on a cross. God could not send the Holy Spirit into us without Jesus being obedient to God in the flesh. He was God in a body. But trust me, that body, it did not want to suffer that pain. He knew that when he's saying, take this cup from me in Matthew, he's saying, I don't know if I can handle this. But if it's your will, I'm going to do it. I've been there. And it reminds me of Philippians 2, 6-11. through Jesus, who being in very nature God, that means being God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but He emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He was born as a man. And being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient. I will do what My Father commands. He humbled Himself by being obedient to the point of death even to death on a cross, and therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He says, I will no longer talk with you much. For the ruler of this world is coming, but he has no claim on me. <laughs> I, love, I love Jesus. He's like, he has nothing on me. Trust me. He says, but I do as the Father has commanded me to do, so that the world may know that I love the Father. And so, in summary, we have our destination. We are going home to be with the Father. There is a room in heaven with Frank's name on it. It's waiting for him. It's decorated. It's ready to go. It's everything he needs in that place. And we know the way. It's Jesus. And we've been given the Holy Spirit, the power of the resurrection living inside of us. And we're included in God's work. It's not like, oh great, we know this knowledge and that's it. It's like, hey, Dan, you're preaching on Sunday. Ron, you're preaching. Frank, you're going to do the men's group. You know, God includes us in His work. This is not a dead faith. This is the living God. We have work to do every day. I'm sure Kathy blesses people at Ace Hardware. I know my wife is volunteering at We Care Pregnancy Center because she's trying to save babies' lives. We're included in the work. And Jesus did it all. He completed the process by being obedient to the Father and doing what He commanded to do so that we could live 
with him. And so let us pray. Father, we thank you that you don't leave us here as orphans. I know all of us here have felt alone at times in this life. But now that we've found you, God, we are never alone again. You said that I am always with you to the end of the age. This is one of the greatest promises because our mothers abandon us at times. Our fathers disappoint us at times. Our brothers and sisters get married and go off. Our children grow up and leave. Bosses uh, betray us. All these things happen. But God, you are with us and you are for us. And I just pray for every heart here that they would hear your voice clearer and clearer, that the Holy Spirit would speak to them and encourage us, God, letting us know that we are chosen children of the one true King. And no circumstance, no heartache can take us away from you. Even our own sin, Lord, you said that you saved us while we were yet sinners. If you gave us the best gift of salvation while we were in sin, Lord, nothing can stop you from loving us. Help us to turn towards you, God. And most of all, give us that peace that you promised, knowing who you are, that we can see this life as an adventure, as a journey with you, like that road trip. And Jesus, we give you the wheel. Take the driver's seat, Lord. Uh, we, we just want to sit in the back and enjoy the ride. So Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.